You're listening to The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam, the series that visits those distinguished as leaders of humanity, not only in history, but in the ranks of the next world. Dive into the stories of the giants who were the first of their kind as they rose to the occasion and became preserved inspirations for generations to come. With your host, Sheikh Dr. Omar Salaman, let's meet The Firsts. من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعدوان إلا على الظالمين والعاقبة للمتقين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم على آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا uh, First of all I want to apologize uh, to those that are tuning in online for starting late uh, tonight about nine minutes later than usual uh, الحمد لله رب العالمين we, we had the mayor of Irving uh, visit us tonight Also I know I'm competing with the State of the Union address so uh, those of you that are here, uh, the State of the Union is not good. The Sirah is beneficial. So, inshallah, I save you some time there. You could watch the highlights later on Twitter. Uh, but we're back in the Sirah, bidnillahi ta'ala. And honestly, you know, subhanAllah, these are really some of my favorite uh, Sahaba to speak about. And the reason being is that when we talked about the series of the first, Sasabiqun al Awalun, there are a few people that really embody what it means to be first and do so in a way that just sets the stage so that we can appreciate them and make dua for them. And I keep on remembering last week when we talked about As'ad ibn Zurara radiallahu ta'ala anhu, so many of you actually told me after you'd never heard anything about the story of As'ad, the fact that an old man, Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu anhu would seek forgiveness for him when he heard the call to Jum'ah because he remembered and it was already forgotten with the next generation, his own son, we're talking about the Tabi'een, had already forgotten this first of all firsts in Medina, in As'ad ibn Zurara radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So what then of us, 1400 years later? So how are we going to build out the next three halaqat? If you attend the next three, and of course you attended last week, and then the last long uh, lecture we did of season one in Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, if you understand the story of Mus'ab ibn Umayr, As'ad ibn Zurara, and the man we're talking about tonight, as well as the next two, so the, these five, you really understand the entire landscape of Medina. And I, and, I, and I really do mean that, because it is this group of five young men, none of them, by the way, who are older than the age of 32 years old, that set the entire stage for what is Medina to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, this beloved city, uh, to us. And so it's going to come back, these next three biographies come back to one incident. It's the incident of Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu ta'ala anhu sitting with As'ad ibn Zurara radiallahu anhu, his host, the first convert of Medina, with the first ambassador from Mecca, sitting, teaching the people, and then three men coming and embracing Islam on the same day, and then the entire city practically learning about Islam and the bulk of it embracing Islam in that same day. It's all going to come back to this one gathering. And so tonight we're going to spend some time inshallah ta'ala with a man by the name of Usaid ibn Hulayr ibn Sammak radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Usaid ibn Hulayr, Abu Yahya. Usaid ibn Hulayr was the son of Al-Hulayr who was the chief of Al-Aws on the day of Bu'ath. Who can remind me what the day of Bu'ath is? And I, these need to be really quick answers, inshallah. What was the day of Bu'ath? 
the war between the two tribes, Aus and Khazraj, that wiped out all of the elders in Yathrib, which would become Medina, right? The day that Aisha radiallahu anha said, Allah presented to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa because that was what opened up these people's hearts to the possibility of a new way, was the exhaustion and honestly the trauma of Bu'ath. When you listen to them talk about Bu'ath, they never wanted to go back there again. It was a bloody, bloody battle between these two tribes of Aus and Khazraj. You have a bunch of 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds that are left and that are now the Sayyids, that are now the leaders of the city, where in Mecca you have 70 and 80 year olds that are the leaders and the chiefs and their kids and their kids. So that was the day of Bu'ath. So Usaid, his father Al-Hudayr was the chief of one of the main two tribes involved, Al-Aws, on the day of Bu'ath, and he was killed on the day of Bu'ath. Okay, so this is who Usaid's father is. Uh, Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu is known as Abu Yahya as we said. He has a son Yahya who comes in a very famous narration. And Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu is a rare personality. And the beauty of the next three biographies is that they are so vastly different. The personalities of these three men that we're going to cover over the next three weeks are entirely different, even though they hold very similar positions in society. Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu is described as extremely intelligent, Someone who was literate, and that was a thing, could read and write, and that was not common, especially in Yathrib. It wasn't common in Mecca for literacy. What then in Yathrib with these younger men? Someone who could read and write, someone who was fluent in poetry. He had a beautiful voice. You know, he just had a, a sweet sounding voice, and he had beautiful coherence. People love to hear Usay talk, okay? Extremely eloquent. This hulwul mantiq means this beautiful logic. When he spoke, he flowed and he had a beautiful tone to his voice, which of course is going to explain why his voice in the Quran was so beautiful. Usayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu, big personality in that he jokes a lot. Mazah, someone who likes to make the room laugh, someone who brings a lot of joy, someone who knows how to disarm a hostile person. These are all very important qualities that you'll see play out in the seerah. So if someone is being hostile, Usayd is the one that knows how to calm a situation down. He has that diplomacy as part of him as well. Very handsome, uh, a sportsman, someone who was known for his work with his spear. They said he had the most accurate throw of the people of Yathrib with his spear. So he is someone who was admired in his society for the traits that he had as well. Not just that he happened to be the son of Al-Hudayr, but he also rises up to become Khatib Al-Ansar, the spokesperson of the Ansar, the natural representative the Ansar always wanted Usaid to represent them in, what other gathering, in whatever gathering they were. So how does he come into this picture? Remember, because this incident we're gonna, we're gonna mention every single one of the next three weeks. Mus'ab radiallahu anhu comes to Medina. He's with his host, who? As'ad ibn Zurara. They're sitting under a palm tree in this garden in Medina. And they're teaching a bunch of the lu'afa, the weak people the vulnerable of Medina, of Yathrib at the time, all right? Because that's who Islam attracts immediately, the downtrodden of society. Now, over the course of this day, these three men are going to enter in order that we're covering them in the halaqah. Here's what's very interesting. As'ad, and I don't expect anyone to remember this from last week, but he was the maternal cousin of Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu who is a man who 
is out of the three, I mean, we're going to see the virtues of Sa'ad anhu, Ibn Mu'adh are unlike anyone else that you meet, right? In this, in this story. But Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, because he's the cousin of As'ad ibn Zurara, he hears about this and he calls Usaid. He says, listen, I heard that my cousin As'ad is sitting with this man from Mecca and they're confusing the youth and they're getting in the heads of some of the downtrodden in Medina. He said, take your spear and go over there and rough him up a bit and stop this before it gets worse. Because I'm his cousin, if I go over there, right, it's going to become a bigger fitna. So Usaid, you have a way with dealing with things. I don't want to go deal with As'ad right now or this person that he brought with him from Mecca. You go and you deal with them. So Usaid anhu says, كَفَيْتُ kadalik, I've got it. I've got it from here. Takes his spear and he starts walking towards As'ad ibn Zurara and Mus'ab ibn Umair holding his spear. They're sitting in this garden of Bani Abdul Ashhal under a palm tree. A group is around them, clearly captivated by Mus'ab ibn Umair. As'ad sees Usaid coming and he goes, Wayhaka ya Mus'ab, Hada Sayyidu Qawmihi, wa arjahuhum aqlan wa akmaluhum kamalan, Usaid ibn Hudayr. He said, Listen, Mus'ab, this guy that's coming right now, angry, who looks like he wants to kill you. This man is a leader of his people. Sayyid bin al-Asiyat. He's a leader of his people. And he is the most intelligent of them, the most complete of them. Usayd ibn Hudayr, and listen to what he said. He said, فَإِنْ يُسْلِمْ تَبِعَهُ فِي إِسْلَامِهِ خَلْقٌ كَثِيرٌ He said, if he becomes Muslim, if you convince this man to become Muslim, a whole bunch of people are going to become Muslim after him. So Usayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu comes up, and he says to Mus'ab, he said, haven't you found anyone else's minds to play with? He said, other than these, these poor people, these masakin who don't understand the poison that you're bringing from Mecca. Remember, all they know is the propaganda now. They've heard the Islamophobia. That the Prophet ﷺ, the, the scare tactic of the Prophet ﷺ was that he divides families. And in Yathrib, we don't want any more division. We've been divided enough. Our fathers have literally killed each other over the stuff. So haven't you found some people to play with other than these poor people from Yathrib? So Sayyid he's holding his spear, he says, you can either get up and leave, or I'll have to make you leave the hard way. So he threatens him. Mus'ab looks like who? He looks like the Prophet Remember, I mean, when he died in Uhud, some of the, the kuffar thought they killed the Prophet He had the traits, the face of the Prophet He had the adab of the Prophet I mean, of course, in that he... And no one's like the Prophet ﷺ, but he inherited much of his beautiful quality. Mus'ab could have roughed him back up, said something, or moved on. Mus'ab smiles. And he says, Ya Sayyid Qawmi. He says, O leader of his people, Can I propose something better than that? Usaid is, again, he's, he's, he's not a, a bad man. He's not an aggressive man in his nature. He was trying to clean up a situation. So Sayyid says, وَمَا ذَاكَ what, what do you have to offer? He says, تَجْلِسُ إِلَيْنَا وَتَسْمَعُ مِنَّا فَإِنْ رَضِيتَ مَا قُلْنَا قَبِلْتَهُ وَإِنْ لَمْ تَرْضَى تَحَوَّلْنَا عَنْكُمْ وَلَمْ نَعُدْ إِلَيْكُمْ Just sit down, listen to what we have to say. If you like it, you can accept it. And if you don't like it, Mus'ab says, we will get up and go and we'll never come back. I'll never come back, I'll never talk to anyone in Medina again. Risky uh, proposition that Mus'ab radiallahu ta'ala anhu is making. But what does that show to Usaid? This man has a lot of confidence in what he has. 
For him to say, I'll get up and I'll never come back if you don't like what I'm going to say to you, is very bold of Mus'ab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Sayyid radiallahu anhu respects that. So Sayyid radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he takes his spear, plants it in the ground, he sits down and he says, uh, that's a good opinion, go ahead, tell me what you have. Mus'ab radiallahu ta'ala anhu starts to recite Qur'an to him. So all he does is he starts to recite the Qur'an. Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu sits there and listens to him. And Usaid starts to get emotional. As'ad knows what's happening, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The other sahaba, or the, these converts to be, know what's happening. And Mus'ab goes on and on and on. And he didn't just recite a little bit of Qur'an. He sat there and let him recite and recite and recite and recite while Usaid got emotional. And remember he said, لَقَدْ أَنصَفْتْ He said, you had a good opinion. And he's, he, he actually wanted to listen to him with his full presence. And after Mus'ab finished, he said, مَا أَحْسَنَ هَذَا الَّذِي تَقُولُ مَا أَجَلَّ هَذَا الَّذِي تَتْلُ What beautiful words you are speaking. What, noble, no, what nobility. Ajal, I mean, how honorable, how great is this that you recite? So Sayyid says, how do I join you? Right away. Not, you know, let me ask you some more questions. I need some more clarification. He said, how does a person join this way of yours? So Mus'ab radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, you go and you do ghusl, you purify your garments, you bear witness, and la ilaha illallah wa Muhammadan Rasulullah, that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is his messenger, wa tu salli rak'atayn, and you pray two rak'ahs. So Sayyid radiallahu anhu goes, he takes a shower, purifies his garments, he comes back, he takes shahada with Mus'ab radiallahu ta'ala anhu and As'ad ibn Zurara radiallahu anhu, he prays two rak'ahs, and then he goes back to Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh radiallahu anhu who sent him. Now subhanAllah, this is probably one of the most important parts of the story. If you remember in Mecca, the Prophet recited Qur'an to Utbah bin Rabi'ah. And Utbah was so moved by the Qur'an, he put his hand on the mouth of the Prophet to stop him because he couldn't hold himself. Because he knew that what he was reciting was divine. But what did he do? He turned back to his friends and he insisted on his ways. But when he came back to his people, what did Abu Jahar say when he saw him? He said, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ أَبُوا الْوَلِيدِ بِغَيْرِ الْوَجْهِ الَّذِي ذَهَبَ بِهِ He said, Abu al-Walid is coming back to you with a face different than the one he went with. When we sent him to meet Muhammad Wasallam, he had a different look on his face. He's coming back and he's a changed man. Something is up with his face. But what did he do? Abu al-Walid, he insisted on his kufr. He insisted on his disbelief. And he continued to oppose the Prophet Wasallam. Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu sees Usayd ibn Hudayr and he says the exact same words. <laughs> Sa'ad says, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ Usaid. Usaid is coming to you بِغَيْرِ الْوَجْهِ الَّذِي ذَهَبَ بِهِ With a face different than the one I sent him with. He looks different. Something happened to Usaid when he went there. The Qur'an literally transformed him. And then what's going to happen next, which we'll talk about next week, is Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh goes over there and he becomes Muslim, right? So literally it's Usaid, then Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, then Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, then Medina. Okay, so we're starting with Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu because he's the first one to enter into the house of Mus'ab and As'ad ibn Zurara and embrace Islam. So it was the Qur'an that changed him. And this shows you something, by the way, the, the scholars mentioned a very important point here that what was stopping the people of Mecca from 
understanding or from embracing the Prophet that they knew for over 40 years, despite the beautiful qualities that they encountered, right? They knew Muhammad They knew As-Sadiq Al-Ameen. They, they, they gave him nicknames. They loved him. They knew that his qualities were divine. But their arrogance was a hijab for them, was a veil for them to seeing those beautiful qualities in Islam. So they opposed him and they cursed him. And it was the same arrogance that was stopping them from appreciating the beauty and being transformed from the beauty of the Qur'an being recited from the mouth of the Prophet So the Prophet was far more impressive if you saw him for 40 years than he was if you saw him for 40 days. The Ansar didn't even see him and they were already in love with him. Right? They saw him and they were ready. They understood, right? Abdullah ibn Salam, that he said, when he saw the Prophet's face, he said, that's not the face of a liar. They, they didn't know him the way the people of Mecca did. And learning the Qur'an from the mouth of the Prophet hearing it from the Prophet with Jibreel descending upon him, was far more impactful than hearing it from the mouth of Mus'ab ibn Umayr But the hearts, it's the hearts, right? Usaid sat and he was present. And his heart immediately embraced the Qur'an. And so you're going to find this man distinguished by his love of the Qur'an. So Sayyid embraces Islam and he goes to the second bay'ah of Aqaba. Now I want you to, to memorize these terms inshallah ta'ala. Remember, there was the first pledge, which was with how many people? Twelve. Six men embraced Islam and then twelve of them took a pledge. And they went back to Medina with Mus'ab ibn Umair. That was the first bay'atul aqaba, the first pledge. And then the second pledge was how many people? The next year with Mus'ab radiallahu Seventy with twelve naqibs, twelve nuqaba, twelve chiefs on top of them. Okay? So you're going to, inshallah ta'ala, remember this. So Usayd radiallahu anhu goes back to bay'atul aqaba, al-thaniyah, the second bay'ah, the second pledge the next year in Hajj. And he embraces Islam along with that, or rather he takes his pledge with the Prophet ﷺ along with that group. And the Prophet ﷺ places him as one of the 12 naqibs, one of the 12 chiefs of that day. Uh, when the Prophet ﷺ makes hijrah to Medina, the Prophet ﷺ paired him with Zayd ibn al-Haritha So he gets to take in to his home, none other than the adopted son of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Hibbu Rasulillah, the beloved one of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So let's go through some of the layers of Usaid. You know, imagine the Prophet Sallallahu looking at a person and saying, Ni'mal Rajul. What an amazing person you are. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, What an amazing, what an awesome person Usaid ibn Hudayr is. What a great man he is. So the Prophet Sallallahu used to praise him. Abu Bakr as Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu, kana. He, he used to not prefer anyone from the Ansar ala Usayd ibn Hudayr on top of Usayd ibn Hudayr or in front of Usayd ibn Hudayr. So to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the most important person or the most virtuous of the Ansar was this man Usayd ibn Hudayr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she said, ثَلَاثَةٌ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ There are three people from the Ansar. لَمْ يَكُنْ أَحَدٌ أَفْضَلَ مِنْهُمْ that no one was better than these three men, Kulluhum in Bani Abdul Ashhal. All three of them were from the sub-tribe of Bani Abdul Ashhal. He said, she said, Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, wa Usayd ibn Hudayr, wa Abad ibn Bishr. 
these three people, Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, Usaid, and Abbad ibn Bishr. So that's the praise of the Prophet for him. That's the praise of Abu Bakr for him. That's the praise of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And one of the things that we take from him again is his love for the Qur'an. Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to recite the Qur'an and people used to surround him. If he recited in his home, the people surrounded his home. If Usaid walked into a gathering, they wanted him to lead the salah. He had a beautiful voice. And what made his recitation of the Qur'an more beautiful was not just his sweet voice, but again, this transformed him. Took over his heart. It took over his face, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And one of the the famous uh, rules of fiqh, of jurisprudence that we took, uh, the children of Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, they said that Usaid used to be our imam. He used to lead us in salah. And when he fell ill, the Prophet ﷺ came to visit him and inquire about his illness. And so we said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, he's too sick to stand up when he leads us in salah. So what do we do? The Prophet ﷺ said, If he leads you, he didn't say replace him. He said when he leads you and he prays sitting down, then all of you pray sitting down behind him. All right? So that's a rule in fiqh, right? If the imam sits, everyone else should sit, right? Except the Prophet according to most of the schools, abrogated that when he led his last salah sitting down and the rest of the sahaba remained standing. And so these abrogations happened during the time of the Prophet But this was actually the incident from which this discussion is even extracted, is the Prophet affirming Usaid's place as leading these people in salah. And he said, he said sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that when he prays sitting down, then all of you should pray sitting down as well. So it wasn't just the sahaba that loved to hear him. And I'm not going to give the details of the story because you can uh, watch the episode in Angels 2 <laughs> about this story inshallah ta'ala in detail, where Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu was reciting the Qur'an one day and the angels came upon him to a point that his horse almost trampled his son. The amount of angels that descended to the earth when Usaid was reciting Surah Al-Baqarah one night caused his horse to trample or almost trample his son Yahya who was sleeping next to him. And he told the Prophet about that incident. SubhanAllah, even the Malaika, the angels, would gather around this man to listen to his voice when he recited the Qur'an. In another narration, Anas ibn Malik he says that there were two men that were with the Prophet on a very dark night. They were walking with him outside of the masjid. And he said it was Usaid and Abad ibn Bishr, these two men from the Ansar. And he said when they were with the Prophet there was a light that was in front of them. And then when they all went their ways, he said, Beautiful. He said that when they all went their way from the masjid of the Prophet the light parted with all three of them. The Prophet and Usaid and Abbad and it stayed with them until they reached their homes. And of course the ulama, they, they talk about this, you know, this was the light of their sincerity, uh, a miracle for them, one of the karamats of the awliya, one of the miracles of the righteous. Some of them said that was the effect of the mila'ika, the effect of the angels. The point being that this man is a worshiper. This man is a abid, he's a worshiper. He absorbed the Qur'an in a beautiful way. 
And that's why the khutbah that I'd given actually a few months ago about this narration. Now you can remember it was Usayd. Aisha radiallahu anha narrates, كَانَ Usayd ibn Hudayr bin Afadil al-Nas فَكَانَ يَقُولُ لَوْ أَنِّي أَكُونُ كَمَا أَكُونُ مَحَلَّ حَالٍ مِنْ أَحْوَالٍ ثَلَاثٍ لَكُنْتُ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ Some of you might remember the khutbah, most of you probably don't. Usayd radiallahu anhu said, if I am, if, if I could be always in the state that I am in three situations, I would know that I am from the people of Jannah. وَمَا شَكَكْتُ فِي ذَلِكَ and I would never doubt it. Like if Allah took my life in one of three situations, my heart is in such a way and my, my presence is, is, is in such a way that I know I'm from the people of Jannah. Okay? The first thing he said, When I read the Quran and when I listen to it. If death was to come to me while I was reading the Quran or while I was listening to it, I would know that I'm going to Jannah. <laughs> That's a beautiful statement. Like I'm so present when I read the Quran that my heart is so overwhelmed. My heart is in such a, a place that I know that I would be from the people of Jannah. The second thing, When I'm listening to the khutbah of the Prophet like if Allah took my life sitting in Jum'ah, listening to the Prophet standing on the minbar and talking to us, I would know I'm going to Jannah because his heart was in such a way. Does anyone remember what the third one was by any chance? It has to do with the COVID era. <laughs> and that's why I chose the khutbah topic. Anybody remember? All right, maybe this will... It's kind of offensive, by the way. No one remembers. I hope you guys are just keeping it to yourself. When I'm in a janazah, when I'm going through a janazah, the way my heart is when I'm praying janazah. I never attend the janazah except haddathu nafsi siwa ma huwa maf'ulun biha wa ma hiya sa'iratun ilayhi I actually put myself in the position of that person throughout the entire janazah and I tell myself that this is what's going to happen next and this is what's going to happen next I walk myself through the stages of the janazah as if I am that dead body You see that level of ihsan that level of of, of presence I mean what is he talking about presence He's talking about being present. When he's reading Quran, he's present. When he's listening to the khutbah of the Prophet he's present. When he's praying janazah, he's present. He's there, right? With his heart, with his mind, with his soul. He's paying attention. So he said, my heart is in such a way in those three moments. If death came to me then, I know that I'm going to jump. SubhanAllah. Um, Getting back to the seerah, and, and this is, by the way, he's, he's one of the few companions that you have that much richness about his ibadah, as well as some of his history. Uh, Usaid was not one of the Ansar who actually witnessed Badr. And the reason being is that, remember, Badr uh, is not in Medina, okay? It's actually far away from Medina. The Muslims were intercepting some of the caravans between Mecca and Asham in greater Syria. Right, so that they could get back some of what was stolen from them. So the Muslims were sending these little battalions to intercept those caravans and to disrupt the trade routes of the Meccans and to hopefully get back some of what was taken from them. Right? And so Badr was actually an ambush in that Abu Sufyan planned it so that it wasn't just a caravan, but instead it was an army of a thousand men that would face the Muslims where they were going to intercept their caravan at Badr. So, Usayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu actually missed Badr and it bothered him that he missed Badr 
And so when the Prophet ﷺ came back from Badr, Laqiya Usaid ibn Hudayr, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, hina aqbala min Badr, faqaal, alhamdulillah, alladhi adfaraka wa aqarra aynaka. Wallahi ya Rasulullah, ma kana takhallufi an Badr, wa ana adhunnu annaka talqa adu, walakin dhanantu annaha al-eer. Walau dhanantu annahu adu, ma takhallaftu, faqaal Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sadaqt. Usayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu said to the Prophet you know, alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you victory, that you saw what you wanted to see, that you gained what you wanted to gain. And he says, Ya Rasulullah, I did not think, wallahi, I did not think you were actually going out for a battle here. I thought that this was just going to be another one of those expeditions, those battalions. And had I known this was going to be the battle it was going to be, I would have never missed Badr. I would have never missed Badr. And the Prophet said, Sadaqt, you've told the truth. So the Prophet knew that he was being truthful. Now, what was the way that those who were truthful about being regretful of missing Badr, how did they prove themselves? What do you all think? How did they prove themselves that they really wished that they would have attended Badr? Taking part in Uhud. Uhud comes around. And this is why the ayah came down. That from the believers are those who are truthful with the covenants that they took with their Lord. Some of them were given an opportunity to prove their truthfulness right away. Some of them had to wait a bit. But they didn't change in their resolve. So when they said that they were going to be there with the Prophet that they were going to stand up, they were truthful, and Allah gave them an opportunity to prove how truthful they were. And so in Uhud, Usayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu was one of those few people who didn't flee the battlefield at the end, when things got out of hand. Most people fled, right? And it was a group of a few companions. Allah forgave the ones that fled. Allah forgave them, right? But that group of people that stayed close to the Prophet ﷺ on that day and suffered a lot of wounds, most of them were killed. Some of them suffered multiple wounds. Usayyid was one of those people. And he had seven major wounds in his body on the day of Uhud that were identifiable and observable until the day of his death. So he was actually wounded seven times on the day of Uhud, fighting alongside the Prophet ﷺ when other people fled. And hence he. Uh, proved himself in that, that, that truthfulness uh, or the truthfulness of a saying that he would have been by the side of the Prophet Now we also find some important uh, incidents. Uh, one of them, and this is one of the, the sad incidents, right? Uh, but it shows you that shaitan could not disconnect these people from the Qur'an. Shaitan could not disconnect these people from Salah. Shaitan could not disconnect these people from the Prophet ﷺ, but Shaitan could busy them with division. Remember Hadithatul Ifk, the slander of Aisha radiallahu anha? Right? So I want you to remember this, okay? The Prophet ﷺ comes out and says, Who can relieve me? Who's going to relieve me of this hypocrite Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul? Right? And Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu stands up. You got to remember these three men, okay? Sa'ad stands up and says, Ya Rasulullah, we'll kill him whether he's from Aus or Khazraj. Meaning we got him if he's from our tribe, and if he's from the other side, Khazraj, we've got them too. Sa'ad ibn Ubadah gets up and he says, you know, kadapt. Don't talk about Khazraj, we'll take care of Khazraj. 
don't, start, don't bring up Khazraj, that you use this as an opportunity to take a shot at us. And then Usaid gets up and he yells back at Sa'ad ibn Ubadah. And he says, He said, by Allah, we will kill him, even if he's from your people. And then they all started to fight with each other and the Prophet left them. It's important, right? Even these three men, subhanAllah, that would dedicate themselves to Islam, that love the Qur'an, that love the Prophet that wanted Islam to, to heal their wounds, but it shows you how the seeds of fitna are always there. It's always asleep amongst the people. Someone just has to wake it up. Shaytan waits for someone to expose just a little bit. It's like the wire gets exposed and then he's going to make sure it explodes. And that's exactly what happened. These three men who were the first three men to accept Islam with Mus'ab and As'ad and go convert Medina started to fight in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ was exhausted by it and he just went home. Like this was disappointing to the Prophet ﷺ that they would fight in this regard. So this was one of the, uh, the incidents that happens between uh, the three men. However, Aisha also narrates a beautiful incident about Usaid. Do you remember, uh, there's an incident with Aisha where on one of the expeditions, coming back from Banu Mustalaq, Aisha lost her necklace. It was a black beaded necklace. And she's upset about it. And the Prophet what does he do? He stops the whole army and he says, everyone go look for her necklace. So everyone is going looking for her necklace. They run out of water. <laughs> I mean, subhanAllah, all, they run out of water. They're exhausted. You can imagine how resentful some people could be, right? And everyone's looking at Abu Bakr like, this is your daughter. See, they're not going to go say it to the Prophet that this is your wife. Right? You realize this is your daughter, right? Abu Bakr is so embarrassed. So embarrassed. He's so upset. And even he goes back to Aisha like, did you really have to do this for a necklace? You know, it's like, I'll buy you a new one. All this for that necklace? And then to make matters worse, where was the necklace? Right under her camel. <laughs> it's like you left it right in the front seat, right? The camel stood up and there was a necklace. So they searched all the grounds, ran out of food, ran out of water for wudu, not even just drinking water. And the necklace was under the camel of Aisha. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them as a gift? Tayammum. Allah gave them, and us by extension, the gift of tayammum. That if you run out of water, you still have a way of purifying yourself. And the Ansar were so happy, the Muhajirin were so happy, right? Suddenly Abu Bakr was a hero. Like, you see what your daughter did for us? You know? Now we get, we get to do tayammum, you know, we have, we have a way out, subhanAllah, an ease that came down. Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he went to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, and he said, Yarhamukillah, ma nazala biki amrun takrahinahu illa ja'alallahu lilmuslimina walaki fihi faraja. May Allah have mercy on you, O our mother. There is not a single thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed in regards to you that you disliked. Remember, this is after haditha ifq This is after the slander. So you've never gone through anything. Then Allah revealed Qur'an about it, except that it turned out to be an ease for you and for the Muslims. So may Allah bless you, O Aisha. And then he went to Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he said to Abu Bakr, لَقَدْ بَارَكَ اللَّهُ لِلنَّاسِ فِيكُمْ يَا آلَ أَبِي بَكْرِ مَا أَنْتُمْ إِلَّا بَرَكَةٌ لَهُمْ Allah has blessed us 
through your family, O Abu Bakr, your family is nothing but barakah for us. We only get blessing from your family. So Sayyid had a way with words, a way with comfort, a way with affirming. And, and Aisha radiallahu anha narrated his words, which tells you something, right? That his words were the memorable words and that entire incident afterwards coming and sharing with her. But, you know, you shouldn't grieve about this situation. Because Aisha radiallahu anha was obviously very embarrassed as well, right? Because everyone's looking at her like, you know, and, and he's telling her, you know, may Allah reward you. Because this was khair for us. Just like after Hadith Tul Ifq, you know, Aisha radiallahu anha, was her reputation. She suffered the most in that slander. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to her that you think it's bad for you, but it's, it's khair nakum. It's actually good for you. And it was good for the community. The community grew out of that. And your honor, your honor, I mean, you have Quran revealed about you. Your honor grew as a result uh, of that. And Ubayy uh, I'm sorry, Usayyid radiallahu ta'ala anhu also, Put the Prophet, gave the Prophet وسلم, uh, some words. When the Prophet وسلم, went out, right, in one of the expeditions, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Sarul, the chief hypocrite, what did he say? said, If we go back to Medina, then Al A'az, the honorable one, will remove Al Adal, the humiliated one. Al A'az, he's talking about himself. And he called the Prophet Al Adal, the disgraced one. And the Prophet ﷺ was sitting with Usaid. He said, Did you hear what your companion said? Meaning people of Medina. And he said, what, what companion, O Messenger of Allah? So he said, Abdullah ibn Ubay. He said, what did he say, Ya Rasulullah? He said, He says that when he goes back to Medina, he's going to remove Al-A'az being the Prophet ﷺ, uh, you know, who truly is the honorable one that he's going to remove him, and he's going to instead assume his position. Uh, Usayyid said, He said, I swear by Allah, you are, uh, he said, Speaking on behalf of the Ansar. You are, O Messenger of Allah, if you want, you can do whatever you want. You could kick him out. You are Al-Aziz and who is, he is the Dalil. You are the honorable one and he is the humiliated one. And he says, Ya Rasulullah, Rafuq bihi. He said, O Messenger of Allah, let him go. Let him go. He said, فَإِنَّهُ لَيَرَى أَنَّكَ قَدْ اسْتَلَبْتَهُ مُلْكَ said that he sees that you took his, his place, that you took his dominion. And so that's why he's upset. Ya Rasulullah, let it go. He thinks that you took the kingdom from him. Let it go. He's just blowing hot steam. He's a nobody. We, the Ansar, are still going to stand with you, Ya Rasulullah. So he affirms again that this man means nothing to them and that the Ansar will not relinquish their position with the Prophet. Now, another famous incident that you may have heard, but you didn't know was Usayyid. I said Usayyid had a big personality. He used to laugh a lot, he used to joke a lot, he used to smile a lot. And you know, sometimes people who, who joke a lot, they joke at a time when they're really not supposed to be joking. Right? They, they kind of, it's like the wrong time. They have a beautiful personality, they joke a lot, but sometimes they, they joke at a time when it's like, not inappropriate, but it just didn't fit. Usaid was joking with the Sahaba before one of the battles. And he's making them laugh and giggle. Okay? So this is a tense time. You're about to battle, right? You have Abu Jujana out there, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, tying his red bandana and playing with his spear and like they're getting ready for war. Usaid is telling jokes. 
So what did the Prophet do? He poked him. Remember the story? That was Usaid. He poked him. Usaid radiallahu anhu says, Asbirni. He said, I want my retaliation. That was Usaid to the Prophet What did the Prophet do? He said, you're right, astabr. Go ahead and take your revenge. You're right, I shouldn't have poked you. Go ahead and poke me back. Okay? Usayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, Ya Rasulullah, inna alayka qamisan wa laysa alayya qamis. You're wearing a shirt, I'm not wearing a shirt right now. I, I didn't, you poked my bare ribs, but you're covered. So what did the Prophet do? Like, did he, did he poke him again? Like, I'll oh, just be quiet, get back in line. You know, we're, we have important things to tend to right now. What does your Prophet do? He pulls his shirt up. The Prophet pulls his shirt up. What does Usaid do? Now that you know his personality, Usaid hugs the Prophet and he kisses the ribs of the Prophet and he smiles at the Prophet and he says, That's all I want to know, Messenger of Allah. Right? SubhanAllah, that's the beautiful relationship, the beautiful personality. This person who is truly noble, truly beautiful. And sometimes you hear those incidents and you don't know the person. So you appreciate the beauty of the incident. But when you know the person, then it makes the incident even more beautiful. This is the Khatib al-Ansar. This is the spokesperson of the Ansar. This is a noble man. This is a person who the Prophet loved dearly. And who was a stable supporter of the Prophet so when he says this, it's surprising, right? He said, Ya Rasulullah, I just wanted a chance to hug you and to kiss you, that's all. And he does it with a big smile on his, uh, on his face. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now Usayyid ta'ala anhu was also the Ansari who narrated that the Prophet وسلم, uh, said after some of the Ansar asked the Prophet وسلم, about appointments of leadership. Remember the Prophet وسلم, withheld the spoils of battle from them? and that entire incident where they worried. The Prophet also did not put them in certain positions. And Usayd radiallahu anhu said, the Prophet said to us, he said, Listen, after me, you're going to see preferential treatment, people given positions over you, people that don't honor you the way that you deserve to be honored. Oh Ansar, be patient until you meet me at the Hawd. Be patient, O Ansar, until you meet me at the Hawd. Right? So Usayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates this hadith, and Usayd did not have in him a love for position or a love for leadership. And the Ansar kind of took this, this attitude that we are the supporters. We are the Ansar of the Prophet We are not people who vie for anything of this dunya. We took the Prophet in seeking al-Jannah. Right, so we're not those people. And so Usayyid was one of those who said, I live to see that time, right? Where the Ansar were forgotten, you know? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course, had promised the Ansar a special position in the Quran, in the, uh, in the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And there's a reason why the Prophet specifically tells them about Al-Hawd. Meet me, the Hawd is of course the fountain of the Prophet on the Day of Judgment that the believers will drink, drink from. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst them. Allahumma ameen. So he's saying, look, just be patient until you meet me there. Those same people that came out to receive him in Quba and take him into Medina, the Prophet is saying, I'll be waiting for you at the hell to receive you. 
be patient. So Sayyidah didn't want anything of this world. And so remember, and this will come up in the, in the situation of Sa'ad ibn Ubadah and remember, when the Prophet dies, this is a very volatile situation. This could go terribly wrong in a few hours. Okay? If the Ansar insist on their claim and say, well, look, we took him in, but now that he's dead, we resume our leadership in Medina and they go back to Aus and Khazraj. Is it the Aus chief or the Khazraj chief? This could have been a very, very, very bad situation. And if you go to Medina and you see the Saqif of Banu Sa'ida, where they gave their bay'ah to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu, where they gave their allegiance, it was actually Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu who calmed the situation. Because some of the Ansar, they said, look, at this point now, we should be the Khulafa, we take the leadership, we took the Muhajireen in, this is all done. We know Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is the, the most religious, the most knowledgeable, the greatest amongst us, but this was an Ansar versus Muhajireen thing. It could have led to a division, a split. Usayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu stood up and he addressed the gathering. So beautiful. He said, أَتَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ كَانَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ You all know that the Prophet was from the Muhajireen. He himself was a migrant, alayhi salatu wasalam. وَخَلِيفَتَهُ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ He pointed to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu and he said, his khalifa is going to be from the Muhajireen. وَنَحْنُ كُنَّا أَنصَارَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ And we were the Ansar of the Prophet فَنَحْنُ أَنصَارُ خَلِيفَتِهِ كَمَا كُنَّا أَنصَارَهُ So we will be the Ansar of his Khalifa the way we were his Ansar. Is there anything more beautiful that could be said in, those, in that gathering? Is there anything that could possibly affirm not just that the Ansar will be part of the unifying of Khilafah after the Prophet but that we will be your Ansar the way we, we were the Ansar of the Prophet We will continue to adopt the behavior and the attitude of the Ansar of this religion. They're special people. They are a special people. And when Usayd said that, it solved everything. Right? That was the end of it. When Usayd stood up and said that, that was the end of it. Okay? They all understood, khalas, we're going to unite around one Khalifa and it will be Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Usayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu would then die and subhanAllah we're coming up on Sha'ban. He dies 20 years after the Hijrah in Sha'ban. And Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu would lead his janazah. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he carried his body. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he cried and he praised him. And you could tell the love that Umar radiallahu anhu had for him in his janazah. You know, you got to realize the Sahaba prayed many janaas on many companions. But you could tell from how moved Umar radiallahu anhu was at the death of Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu, how special of a man Usaid was. Then this is, and I'll end with this, the most beautiful part of this. Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu never became rich, wealthy in Islam. He didn't use his position, never sought this dunya. He died and he was in debt. He, he was in debt, 4,000 dirhams, okay? And when he died in debt, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, of course he heard, he asked if there was any debts and there was this group of people that he owed 4,000 dirhams to for a piece of land. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the Khalifa. He could have just said, all right, forget about it. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, لا أترك بني أخي عالا. I'm not gonna leave my brother, my cousin, I'm not going to leave this person 
in, in, in need. I'm going to pay off his debt myself. Umar anhu makes a deal with them. He says, will you accept four installments of a thousand dirhams from me? He said, yeah, Amir al-Mu'mineen, of course. Umar ta'ala anhu goes and he sells off his own possessions and it takes him three years to pay off that debt. This is brotherhood. <laughs> this is what the Prophet sought in the community. That the Khalifa, Umar anhu, from the Muhajireen, who could have just wiped out the debt or took some land and paid it off and said, you know, everyone understands who Usaid is. Let's remove his debt. Let's pay it off from Bayt al-Mal. Umar anhu himself goes and sells his personal possessions. And it took him three years. Why did it take him three years? Because Umar anhu didn't own anything. He literally just had the, the residence of the Khalifa and whatever food he could find for a day, he didn't own anything. So he had to himself find whatever possessions he could and took three years to pay off the debt of Usaid ibn Hudayr radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa anas sahabati ajma'een. May Allah be pleased with them and may Allah send his peace and blessings upon our messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma ameen. Inshallah ta'ala next week we will uh, continue with Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So now you know Mus'ab, As'ad and Usaid. And inshallah ta'ala, we will complete this gathering of five that became the Medina that we know and we love uh, today. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research, dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week for the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam.